0: Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining. Customer retention expert, Joey Coleman. And social media expert, Dan Gingis Serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of The Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss a camping trip gone awry, why every customer touch point matters, and thinking fast when money is on the line. Camping, optimizing, and winning, oh my. You listened to us, now we want to listen to you. By visiting our website and sharing your remarkable customer experiences with us, we can share them with a broader audience. Now sit back and enjoy our listener stories.
1: My high school friend and new virtual assistant, Jamie Drake, recently embarked on a 25-day, 3,400-mile camping adventure.
0: Wow, that's a long adventure. Let's be
1: honest. (laughs) Yeah, that is a long adventure, especially during uh, COVID. Yeah. And uh, so she goes on this adventure and she wrote about it for a blog on my website, which is at dangingus.com. Now, she spoke about managing expectations and this idea of leaving potential praise on the table when companies miss those expectations. So in much the same way that I love to talk about, and I know you do too, Joey, about how creating positive experiences causes people to share with friends and family, we also know that creating poor experiences not only causes people to share, but also can just cause them to remain silent. And that can often be bad. And
0: Yeah, I would say, and sometimes that's even worse because if they're loud and they're unhappy, you can at least do something about it because you're aware of it. If they're silent and unhappy, now you're in trouble. Exactly.
1: And you're missing out on an opportunity to have a fan praise you, and in this case, you know Jamie has a decent following on social media, and she's uh, you know got an audience that knows that she is a camper, and so she's sort of a you know mini expert in this field, and could very much be talking very positively about this uh, camping supply company that she went to, and uh, and instead. Isn't now we asked her to not name the company, but the point here is that there's a huge missed opportunity. So let's have Jamie tell her side of the story here.
2: I recently went on a 25-day, 3,400-mile epic adventure with my family in our camper. Now, we're seasoned campers, and when the world told us it wasn't safe for us to leave our house, we decided to figure out a way to take our house with us. We were in a global pandemic, and we wanted to try a socially distant exploration beyond our front door after so many months of staying at home. So we saw our chance, and we took it. But before we set out on our journey, we really needed one piece of the puzzle, and that was a new camper the one that we had was a bit small. We knew exactly what we needed. We had done this before and we set out to our local chain of a national camping store to take care of buying a new camper. Our expectations were high and our excitement was even higher, but as soon as we walked in the door, our expectations were lowered and lowered and lowered as we were met with Bad salesmen and sneaky sales techniques and told that we needed a camper that was bigger and better and more expensive than what we were looking for. We didn't appreciate these blatant tactics to encourage us to spend more money and buy a bigger unit. The constant obvious efforts were distracting and made the experience far less enjoyable. Now, nothing was going to detract us from going on this trip. We wanted to take this adventure. We just also wanted to immerse ourselves in the culture of the store and have the support we needed on the road. Now, they bragged and bragged about the epic support that they were going to provide while we were on the road, should we need anything. And of course, we were let down at every turn. When we reached out for help, they weren't there. But I did learn a few things about being a customer, and I realized that loyalty should never be taken for granted. My loyalty should have been earned. It should have been nurtured. And in the future, when I need to buy something for our camper or our camping trips, I'm going to go out of our way to make sure I'm not purchasing or interacting with this company again. So they missed an opportunity to not only create a customer for life, but to create a loyal fan. And they, I could have been singing their praises, but instead they left that praise on the table.
1: So... The rest of Jamie's story, which uh, she talks about in the blog, is that she actually did need the company's help during the camping trip and several times tried to reach out to them. And, you know, the whole sales pitch was about, oh, we've got all these locations around the country. So wherever you are, we can come help you. And when she called the local locations, they had no idea who she was or what she needed or why they why she was
0: calling them or you know? or had it sounds like any desire to help. <laughs> right. so, Correct. So, so not only did they not have any of the things that had been promised, but it sounds like the lack of experience or the commitment to experience was so low that they didn't even see it as an opportunity to create a good experience, to live up to an expectation even if they weren't aware of that expectation.
1: Well, right. And we've talked about this in some other Segments like when we talked about car rental companies, for example, you know, oftentimes there is the city that you pick up the car and the city that you drop off the
0: car, and it's the same. The five city. billion dollar fee you pay for dropping it off not in the same city, which I never understood. How often does that happen? It's like just free money for the car companies. It drives it is. me
1: crazy. It is, but my point there being that you often. Have two different experiences with the same company, but with two completely different groups of people and I think that 's what you know the expectation was here. but I actually want to start at the early part of her story because I thought was what was so interesting here was the slimy sales techniques yeah. and, and we 've kind of all been through this at some point in our life and 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 we 've talked on this show about various uh, uh, sales experiences that we 've had. But I thought that it was really interesting because this was like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, she walked in
0: knowing she was going to buy a camper, not like a stick of gum, like a camper. This this is a big purchase. It's a significant investment. And I would imagine in general, uh, in the general scenario, I've never sold campers before, but I would imagine there are two and only two types of people that come into a camping store the ones that are there to buy a camper that day and the ones that are there to kick tires. I think very rarely does somebody go in and go, hey, let's just go in and see what they have and later go, let's just get a camper, right? I, I don't think that happens. So you're really only trying to discern between two types of potential avatars, if you will, or personas. The person who's ready to buy that day and the person who is going to need a lot more convincing and we're almost certain is not going to buy that day. And Jamie was clearly the ideal one, the one we want in sales, the person who shows up ready to rock, ready to make this substantial investment.
1: Exactly. And I believe it's page one, paragraph one of the sales handbook that says... (laughs) Selling when you get a yes. 100%. I mean, like you've already convinced me. And and like I said, Jamie and her family walked in convinced they were going to buy and they had done their research. And I think, you know, uh, something that we haven't talked about on the show, I don't believe in uh, 115 episodes, is this idea that customers have so much research that they can do before even walking into a store nowadays. I mean, think about back when our parents
0: were buying a car. It was the copper dealership that knew everything about the car. They knew everything about the car. They knew what colors it was available in. They knew all the parts, all the functions, all the features. Now I can get that in 35 seconds on a website. Oh, and by the way, if I'm interested in buying a car, or in Jamie's case, a camper, I'm going to do my research in advance. There's a high likelihood that your customer walking in, actually knows more about your product than you do because they only have learned about one of them. They've narrowed the field to the one camper that they want. Whereas you might have a dozen different makes and models that you're selling. Whereas Jamie walked in knowing this is the exact one I want with these features or these add-ons or, you know, these elements to it
1: yeah so I, I I think that was that really stood out to me that here's somebody who knows what she wants. It's an expensive item. Why can't this salesperson just sell it to her? Why do they have to feel like they've got to upsell or offer her additional features? And as she said, this started off the experience poorly for her, and so they haven't even left on the trip, and they already don't really like this company now. That is not how you want to start a relationship with uh, somebody who is about to make a big purchase with you, somebody who, as it turns out, is an influencer in this space. Uh, But, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're not an influencer. You
0: still have friends and family and colleagues that you're going to talk to about this new camper that you bought. Well, I would posit, Dan, that in 2020, everyone is an influencer. Well, it's everybody like has everyone. influence,
1: let's say everybody
0: that. Everybody has influence. Everybody has a network of people who probably have similar interests or likes in them. I mean, in my experience, somebody who's into camping, probably has friends that are into camping, you know, that kind of thing. And so we miss the opportunity because I think we've defined influencer with a capital I, meaning somebody that has, you know, a million followers on Twitter, as opposed to influencer, maybe with a lowercase I that is, hey, within their network, whether we take Dunbar's law and say, you know, 150 people or Facebook, a thousand plus friends that they're going to post about their camping trip, on Facebook or on social media and tell people about, it's like there are people that are being influenced by the experience and that's why every experience, I would say, matters even more than it used to.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. So look, here's what we can learn from Jamie's situation here with the camper. When you are a salesperson or if you have a sales staff, it's important to one, personalize the pitch. Right, And in this case, the pitch did not need to be, and here's all the other things we have, because this particular person walked in knowing what they wanted. Someone else might walk in and say, well, here's the story. I've got a family of six, and we want to do this, and we don't like this, and we want to cook. And and, and they may offer you the opportunity to give them options. In this particular case, that's not what's happened. Number two is try to provide immediate value. Because the beginning of this relationship started off sour, now you're playing from behind the eight ball, when instead they could have wowed her with the initial experience You know, kind of creating that expectation and frankly, that comfort that the experience was going to continue to be positive throughout the camping trip. As we mentioned, stop selling when you get to a yes. And finally, make sure that the rest of your organization can deliver on what the sales team promises. So in Jamie's case, they promised, don't worry, we'll be there for you wherever you stop in the country. And that turned out not to be true. So if it isn't true, don't be saying it To your prospective customers so learn from the experience of jamie and the bad experiences she had with this camping company and don't make the same mistakes at your company
0: there are so many great customer experience articles to read but who has the time we summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow enjoy this segment of cx press where we read the articles so you don't need to this week's
1: CX Press article comes to us from Jessica Green at Help Scout, and is entitled How to Identify and Optimize Customer Experience Touchpoints. Now, the article begins, and I'm quoting, Customer touchpoints are specific places in the customer journey where prospects and customers interact with your company. Those touchpoints might be direct interactions, such as getting a demo from your sales team, or they can be indirect interactions, such as reading a blog post you published. Each of your customer touchpoints has a direct impact on your overall customer experience, the way prospects and customers perceive your company. A poor experience at one touchpoint can easily degrade the customer's perception of multiple positive historical experiences at other touchpoints unquote. And I thought that last point was super
0: powerful, right? Dan, I was just going to say, we need to reread that, right? A poor experience at one touchpoint can easily degrade the customer's perception of multiple positive historical experiences at other touchpoints. So it's not enough to get one or two of them right, folks. We got to get all of them and a bad situation can erase all the goodwill you've built up. Yeah,
1: it's that old saying, you know, it takes years to get a customer and seconds to lose one. So true. It's absolutely true. And unfortunately, a negative experience is just weighed more heavily than positive one. I do believe that companies kind of build up a, a goodwill bank over time, that if you have enough positive experiences, I think customers are more forgiving of a negative experience. You know, For example, a, a company I've talked uh, very highly about in the past, because I've been a customer for a long time, Charles Schwab, uh, had an incident the other day. Actually, it was a day where the stock market opened up at, it was up 1,500 points and everybody was going crazy. And for the first 45 minutes of the trading day, their site was down. Ooh, Ooh, that's good, right? But you know what? I wasn't, I, I, I was a little bit frustrated, but I wasn't angry at them because I've had such a great experience with them since literally 1996 that I was much more forgiving. So I do think you can build up that goodwill, but what Jessica says makes a ton of sense. She goes on to list 11 key touch points and then shares what can be done at each of those touch points to ensure a seamless customer experience. Now, the touch points that she covered are the company website, the blog, social media, emails, paid advertising, customer referrals, sales calls and demos, self-service, customer support, renewals, and cancellation. I love that she included cancellation because uh, you yes, talk. so did
0: I. It's it's like this entire article, everything. It's the last sentence is where all the gold is. I mean, there's gold in all of these, but again, same thing as she said before in the in the segment that you quoted. You know, the cancellation, a huge piece of the customer journey that is often overlooked. And what I love about this list is that it's actually not in sequential order. Because I think all too often brands presume that a customer is going to come down a certain path. But what we know is someone might see the ad, which is in the middle of her list and then do a sales call, which is just past that in her list and then say, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm going to go check out their website and their blog and, you know, what people are saying are in social. So people are, you know, customers are jumping all around the journey. It's not a singular linear path that they're walking. And I think that brands and organizations that think more holistically about the journey and that the customer can enter from any direction and move in any direction once they're in the flow is a great way to catch all of the touch points.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The customer journey is not linear and there is not one journey because everybody goes at their own pace and everybody researches differently, etc. And I'd also like to point out that uh, while Jessica does a great job with these eleven key touch points, there's lots of other touch points that can happen as well. Just a, a few that uh, that I came up with, kind of just thinking off the top of my head, and I'm sure you have some too, Joey. You know, customer surveys or voice of the customer opportunities, the mobile app, older uh, throwback uh, marketing channels like direct mail and television
0: advertising, for example absolutely or things like phone calls hello or billing which guaranteed there is some form of billing and or receipts or payment process contracts the actual use of the product or service that you're offering and then all the uh, intangible touch points and tangible touch points that come from use whether they're needing to call in for more or order new supplies or you know get you know new ways of interacting that come from the usage of your products or services at the the end of the day, if we're actually to map out all the interactions, it can be pretty overwhelming and pretty daunting. And then I'll layer this up one more level, Dan. As a general rule, I'd be willing to bet that whether you take her list of 11 or the list we've added on, we're now covering about 12 different departments within the organization.
1: Well, of course. And I think it certainly goes to show you that everyone in your organization has either a direct or indirect impact on the customer. There are very few, if any, people that have no impact, right? And you could say, well, what about the person in the finance department? Well, the person in the finance department might oversee somebody who sends out the invoices, or might determine the pricing, or might determine something else about how the uh, the financial aspect of your experience works. And though they may not be in front of the customer, and the customer may never know the person's name, they still may have. Have a really big impact on how that person perceives your company. So, check out the article on Help Scout's website. We'll link to it on experiencethisshow.com. It's called How to Identify and Optimize Customer Experience Touch Points. And when you get back to work after listening to Experience This, try to list all of your customer touch points. following is a crossover segment from the new game show that Joey and I have been telling you about, Experience Points. Brought to you by our friends at Avtex, who also sponsor Experience This, the new game show combines fun and trivia with lively discussions on how to raise the experience bar in your business. This week, we feature a game called Think Fast with our good friend, Shep Hyken. Enjoy the segment and see how many of the questions you get right.
0: In Think Fast, you will have one minute to answer five experience questions. For each question, you must quickly choose between two possible answers. Correct answers given before time runs out are worth 100 points. Five correct answers will earn you 500 bonus points for a possible score of 1,000 points. There's big money on the line, Shep. Are you ready to get started?
1: Let's get this party started. All right, so for... Think Fast today, we are going to be giving you some questions from a recent report from our friends at Get Feedback by SurveyMonkey. This is the State of B2B Customer Experience Report. Now we know that you work with lots of B2B companies and that you are, after all, the godfather of customer experience. So this should be a piece of cake for you. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right, Joey, give us 60 seconds on the clock and let's make some money. What percentage of B2B companies think their company is delivering an excellent customer experience? 48% or 68%? 68%. What percentage didn't have even one part-time person taking ownership of CX initiatives? 24% or 42%? 42%. What do B2B companies report is the number one challenge to customer experience? Is it organization silos or executive sponsorship? I'm going with executive sponsorship. 90% of B2B said there is good value in customer feedback. What percent understand how their customers perceive their experiences? 58% or 70%? 58%. And finally, what percentage say improving customer experience at their company is important or very important? Is it 75% or 87%? 87. The time is running out. 87.
0: Whoa! Chef, with barely a second to spare. There wasn't even a second. It was like we were at the Olympics. It was ticking over. Wow. That was I was
3: worried whether Dan was going to finish the question before the clock ran out. I told you (laughs) I'd finish, man.
1: I told you I we,
0: we were rooting for you, buddy. Oh, you did a oh, great man. job getting through all five of those. Now, let's see how you did. All right. On
1: the first question, which was what percentage of B2B companies think their company is delivering an excellent customer experience? You said 68 percent. The answer is 48 really? percent.
3: Well, that's a shame because that reports wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just kidding. You know, there's this huge disconnect between what companies think they're doing and what the customers are actually perceiving to the point where it's an overwhelming majority of leadership thinks their companies are doing far better than they actually are.
0: Absolutely. That's
3: where I came up with that one.
1: The uh, second question is, what percentage didn't have even one part-time person taking ownership oh, of CX initiative. You know what, I bet I blew this one. You said, what, 42 percent and the answer is 42 oh, okay. percent good okay. job okay, great. Chef. Great. that word
3: part-time as i looked at it I go, was it not even one part-time person yeah so there you go 42 and that blows my mind because even if you look at 10 years ago there were reports showing that by the year 2020 customer experience is going to be like the number one most important initiative the company should have and yet look at this
1: look and at i could say this. from reading this report What this actually means is it is not a single person, full-time or part-time, that is working on it, that is dedicated to it, not a single person. Yeah, that part-time, if I'd have read it again, I would have probably got it wrong because that part-time, they gotta have somebody at least part-time caring about it. 42% say they don't. So the next question, what do B2B companies report as the number one challenge to customer experience? You said executive sponsorship. The answer is organization silos, which Which is symptomatic of a lack of executive sponsorship. (laughs) Well, sir, unfortunately, it's still the wrong answer. But hey, good try. Um, Question number four, 90% of B2Bs said there is good value in customer feedback. What percentage understand how their customers perceive their experience? You said 58%. The answer is fifty-eight percent. All right, it. very good, Woo-hoo. sir. You know what? I'm batting five hundred right now.
3: Is that right? All right. All right well, I'm we sorry. got one
1: more. Let's. Yeah, let's yeah see I, if I, I just want get...
3: to say that if I were a baseball player, I'd have one
1: freaking huge contract right now. That's true. That's true. All right. The final question was: What percentage say improving customer experience at their company is important or very important? You said eighty-seven percent. And the answer is 87%.
0: Well done, sir. Shep, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Love it, love it. Well, Shep, you know, these questions all speak to, as you said, the disconnect between what companies say is important to them and what they actually do. Why is it you think that so many companies claim that customer experience is a high priority? But it really hasn't been elevated to that business level objective. They haven't put the resources, the people, the effort behind it as much as they have put the lip service behind it.
3: So there's actually so many different ways you can go with this answer, but I'll say a couple of things. Number one, um, I I do believe executive sponsorship or leadership, leadership sponsorship, as it was called, is an issue within many companies. They talk about it and yet they don't necessarily act as the role model, they don't create the service vision, it becomes like a theme at a particular time when they receive a complaint, and then that becomes the next most important thing for the next three months till they move on to something else. The best of the best companies decide this is super important to them, they make it part of their culture, Uh, it's, it's built into how they hire people, and, and I think that's where uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting away from your original question, but if that's what they want to do to take the business to the next level, they need to be thinking it's not a department, it's a culture, it's philosophical. Everybody's involved, and we need to show people, everybody, the person in the warehouse, somebody behind the scenes that never sees a customer, we need to show them just how important
1: their role is to the other people they work with and the outside customer. You know, Chef, one of the things that was interesting to me about this study and what might have caused you to get that first question wrong was that this was only B2B companies. And Mm. I don't know about you, I know all three of us have uh, spoken on many stages about customer service and customer experience. One of the questions that I get the most often when I walk off the stage is, does this apply to B2B? And my answer, which might be slightly more sarcastic than yours, is it depends. Do you market to human beings? And I sort of pause there, and they're like, uh, yes. I'm like, well, then it applies because human beings are consumers in their real life. And uh, right. as, as we all know, you're being compared to uh, every experience that they've had. But I'm wondering, why do we? Th- why is that still a question? And why do B2B companies somehow either feel that they're exempt or don't have the same kind of infrastructure, technology, operations that B2Cs have to make CX a priority Well b2 C is primarily a, a, a retail
3: type of feeling to it or a, a frontline feeling to it, a consumer feeling to it. However, B2b is different and the, and, and as you get to B2B where I don't think we're looking at you know uh, a software company that sells to consumers. Uh, I mean I'll even say Microsoft, even though they're B2b, they're very frontline retail focus with certain products they have. However, then you get into manufacturers. And I have a client that said, uh, they're in the kind of automation robotics industry. They sell huge equipment to factories. If they blow it, if they blow it, it's not just a little mistake. And a competitor comes in, it could be 15 years before that piece of machinery gets replaced. And they refer to that as a generational mistake. It takes a full generation before you have a chance to go in there and get that business back if you lose it. So I believe that customer service and experience is far more important at those levels. I mean, if I walk into a mall um, and I, oh, there's a store that sells the jeans that I'm looking for, I may not even notice the name of the store if I'm just going in to get an item. Uh, Now, I'm really not that kind of person. I, I have my person that I like to buy from in a particular store. They know what I want. But a lot of people think this way. And if I'm treated poorly, I just go on to the next door or the next door or the next door in the mall. There's so many to choose from. By the way, when I come back to the mall, I may or may not remember that experience. I might try them again. By the way, two or three times of a bad experience and I'm not going back, most likely. A lot of customers say it only takes one. But in that B2B world, oh my gosh, if you blow it, it could be big. It could be... It, it's not like Joe, yo, you know, somebody else will buy another pair of jeans. No, when's the next person that's going to buy that, you know, two million dollar piece of equipment or the next opportunity we have with that company? It could be big.
0: You know, Shep, it's so true, and I, I was really taken aback by your comment of a generational mistake. I mean, that that really, I think, puts. Uh, Cuts right to the chase on how significant the impact of some of these things can be on a business. We've talked kind of strategically about the importance of paying attention to customer experience in a B2B scenario, a business to business scenario. Um, And we've talked about, you know, obviously from the results of the game that most companies aren't giving it the time and attention it deserves. You mentioned the power of a culture and an organization uh, being committed to this type of endeavor, what would you say are maybe one or two tactical things that our listeners and viewers could do? I mean, we've got a lot of folks who are, uh, you know, kind of running customer experience at organizations, but we've also got a lot of people that are uh, fans of the show that are more practitioners. Any thoughts on a tactical idea or two to infuse that customer experience into the B2B environment? Sure. Well, I mean, I really got to go back to the top. And that's where leadership
3: simply defines what a customer experience vision is for the company. And I want them to define it in a way that's memorable and easy for everybody to get into their brain. Um, I know it's not B2B, but let's go back to my good friends at the Ritz Carlton. You've known me for years. I've been talking about them for years. Their nine word credo were ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It's Nine words. When you come to work at the Ritz, that basically, you know what that's about, you understand it, and then they train to it. Training, and it's not something you did, it's something you do ongoing. Constantly reminding and reinforcing. And sharing stories about when it's working and what it really stands for. And that's what's going to get that organization to start to get into alignment with a customer focused culture and start heading in the right direction. By the way, this credo or mantra or whatever you want to call it, this vision, it's permanent. You can't say this is this year's theme. This is what you do once and, and live with it, change it, modify it for the first six months till you finally get to where you know, this is what I want
1: to live with the rest of my life or at least close to it, for years at least. All right, cool. Well,
0: Joey, let's recap how
1: Shep scored Playing Think
0: Fast. In this game, correct answers are worth 100 points and Shep answered three questions correctly, which means he earned 300 points. Now these points convert into dollars, which means Shep earned a $300 donation to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research. Congratulations, Shep. Well, thank you and thank you to our good friends at Avtex for doing this. And you guys
3: are great hosts. You know, if this whole thing doesn't work out for you, I think a game show host
1: is in your future. Ah, you're kind Shep. This concludes this episode of Experience Points and check out more games with Shep and other celebrity contestants at experiencepointsgame.com. That site again is experiencepointsgame.com. We'll see you soon for more examples of remarkable customer experiences here at Experience Points presented by
0: Avtex. We hope you enjoyed that little teaser game of Experience Points. For more game show episodes, head over to www.experiencepointsgame.com. That's experiencepointsgame.com or Aftex's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. Friends, you can find Experience Points all over the place. Go check it out. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This! We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to
1: read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening
0: to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience
2: This. This.